Hello, guys. As ever, this episode of Scary Stories to Tell in the Darkroom is brought to you by Negative Supply. I just opened up the Negative Supply Kickstarter for their 120 carrier, and oh my gosh, they're at $103,000, and there's also apparently 902 other dollars attached to that. Uh, that's amazing. I'm so proud of these guys. Um, they are making tools for everybody. They are making tools for people that scan at home. They are making tools for large institutions that scan big archives of film, and they are making tools for Northeast Photographic. I scan with their 35mm carrier right now. I have tested the 120 unit, uh, well, a prototype of the 120 unit, and you can see those scans on the Kickstarter. Uh, they are sharp edge to edge. I mean, these things are game changers. But I want to take a second to talk about a couple other products that you might not know about. Do you remember their 35mm carrier? Of course you do. Um, well, I don't know if you know this, but they released a 35mm full border scanning guide for the Mark I, and it allows you to scan all the way out beyond the sprocket holes. So if you're running film through like a Pentax 6.7 and you're getting images around the area where it says like Ilford HP5 or whatever, with negative supply tools, you can now easily scan all the way out there. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Uh, this stuff is awesome. They do an amazing job. Um, you can go to their Kickstarter and order a 120 scanner uh, right now. And I'm sure, of course, you'll also be able to order it in the future because they are fully funded. In fact, they are over 200% funded. I don't know math, but eventually they'll be 300% funded. And that's amazing. Um, so we should all be very excited for them. I thank uh, them for their support. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode of Scary Stories Telling the Darkroom. Three, two, one. Hello, Dave. Hello. Hello, David. Oh, wait, David's not here. He canceled. <laughs> he canceled, canceled on us. us. Yeah. Yeah. We've been canceled for our harsh views on many subjects in the world of photography. Uh, cancel culture is a, a plague on even podcasters. It is. That now, it is. Da David could not be here. He is tending to... Actually, his photography career, it sounds like, which I suppose is a fair reason to not appear on a photography industry podcast. It's better to just go out and make that money. Yes, this is true. <laughs> Can't Brennan, fault him there. <laughs> Brennan is as usual with his baby, although I will be talking to Brennan again soon because uh, he's uh, made some changes in his life that allows for more podcasting. So that's exciting. But today we have Dave Waddell here, just like last time, and we are here to shoot the proverbial shit. That's right. And nope. all your lucky listeners get to hear my lovely voice again. Well, we have a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of news. You know, there's a lot in the news. And uh, if people don't, if, if we're not here to break it down for people, you know, people are going to be lost in the forest. The forest right. of photography. It goes by the wayside. Absolutely. Uh, this is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark Room. So let's get into it. I like to start with lab news. And there's not a, a lot to say except for thank you to everybody for continuing to send in orders during this dark time. And by dark time, I mean Daylight Savings is active or not active. I don't know, but it's dark all the time. And uh, no, we're getting a lot, like a lot of steady orders coming in. It's not, you know, winter's always like pretty dead. That's why turnarounds really get yeah. increased. Um, so like people are probably getting their stuff in about three days now. But um, 
I've I've continued to have steady orders come in, so it's not quite as dead as as I would have expected. And I uh, all I have to say is thank you for that. Kudos to anyone in New England still out shooting in this nasty stuff we've been having lately. I got one guy that was still shooting people surfing, which I think is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Like Maine surfers, not like California surfers. People out there like getting in the ocean. Yeah. I yeah. Don't go in the ocean in August. <laughs> so I'm sure shit not going in the ocean now. <laughs> yeah. Me either. It's cold. It's very cold. Uh, but otherwise, no, 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 I'm continuing to work on various projects. I'm going to be launching. I kind of teased this. I'll be launching my 8x10 scanning service soon, uh, which is in addition to um, the 4x5 services that I already have. And it's going to be kind of very similar to that. It'll be very affordable and I think very high quality. I'm also increasing the resolution that you guys are going to get. So you're going to be able to get bigger files, which, <clears throat> you know, from large format, that makes a lot of sense because that's why you shoot large format. Yep. So exciting stuff. Um, but that's enough about the lab news. Uh, we have so much photo news to get to. Uh, first, I want to talk news. about, yeah, I want to talk about, I've been talking about this on Instagram, uh, mostly in my stories and stuff. But as you know, I'm, as you may know, I, I suppose, I am a user of negative supplies film carriers for DSLR scanning. And um, I've been using them for a lot of 35 millimeter scans and 4x5 scans and 8x10 scans. And particularly, they're are the they're the tool that has enabled me to like really have great uh, scans of E6 film, and of course they launched their 120 scanner, uh, or it's not a scanner really, it's a, it's a film holder, and the Kickstarter launched yesterday, and um, they were fully funded in in less than an hour and a half, which is amazing, and they, that was like thirty dollars, yeah, it's great. I saw it earlier today; they were like up to ninety ninety thousand or something. I am looking at it now, and their Kickstarter is at 90, where are you, 97. It actually just increased when I went to the page. So somebody bought, some people, somebody bought, bought that. It was like, when we when I was talking to Dave before we started, it was at 96. So uh, I guess people are interested in this. this yeah, this no kidding. Film thing. This film I, thing. I like, <laughs> I like to look at their different rewards that they're, uh, or it's not really rewards. It's kind of more like a pre-order. Mm-hmm. But 107 people have backed just the carrier at the early bird special, which is pretty cool. But only two people have backed the carrier and the masks. So what are you guys hmm. doing? What are you What's, doing? Yeah, what are you guys doing? Uh, 30 people, no, 13 people, I'm sorry, 30, 13 people have backed the early bird special of the complete kit, which is actually $1,180. That's the 35 millimeter and the 120? There, it's, it's the one, it looks like it's the 120, the, the 35 millimeter one. Uh, what else? It's got the masks, which I they haven't, I've tested the carrier itself, but I haven't even, that, they didn't even tell me they were making masks. So that's great. Um, an anti-static brush, the, the mount system. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see, the Pro Riser, which is basically their their copy stand, and uh, the 35-millimeter full-border scanning guide, so you can scan, like, out to the sprocket holes. Yeah, that's, that's so then there. you're left with, you still need, what, a light table and a macro lens and a camera? Is that the setup? Yeah, you, you would need, like, um, usually, like, an LED panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, your camera, your macro lens, and then you'd be, um, 
he'd be good to go. But I think, I mean, I feel like a lot of people already have cameras. So it's not well, like right. that new. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's, you're just mostly looking at the macro lens if you're not a macro person like me. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of wedding photographers have macro lenses. It's not crazy. No, it's not. I, as you know, I was already looking at one recently. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ring shots. You got to get those. <laughs> Don't get me started. I fucking hate ring shots. <laughs> that, they're so stupid. I'm not buying a lens for a ring shot. <laughs> You know what? The only way that I like ring shots in wedding photography is when it's like on someone. You know, yeah. like there'll be like the, like that shot that everybody does where they're, they're like their arms are wrapped around the person and you kind of get close up on the ring. Like, yeah. ah, then you got people like putting the ring in the invitation and then they have this close up and everything's all bouquet out. I'm like, God, get out of yeah. here. Get out of yeah, here. No. With this Actually, a little secret for years, I've mostly shot most of my rings with my iphone because it focuses way closer than Get my the actual camera <laughs> <laughs> so you put this in the albums <laughs> yeah sure why not it's just oh a ring my God. shot yeah i guess i mean i guess if it's printed small enough then like who cares who cares nobody's <laughs> complained nobody's known I, nobody's complained i mean yeah that's that <laughs> It's like shots fired at the industry right there. It's like, <laughs> I just do this one with my iPhone. Uh, yeah, the lay flats and the, and the details. I don't know. Well, this is, you know, we're, we're getting a little distracted. We're, we're getting very here. distracted here from the <laughs> macro lens. We have the entire rest of the year to complain about wedding photography. Because yeah. <laughs> my season starts in the spring. Uh, yeah. No, but, um, okay, so they have 186 backers. I, yep. I have tested it, and it's the tool is awesome. It's going to kind of, it's going to be a game changer here for me. And I, I don't, I'm just saying that because like, I like these guys and I know them. Um, I'm actually sitting on a bunch of 120 stuff. That's my own personal work that I'm just waiting to scan with their holder because it does such a better job at just overall film flatness, enabling me to scan the borders. And then of course, like it's so fast. I was doing a whole roll in less than a minute. I mean, it's way faster than I am with my frontiers. So, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, so that was other... gonna be my next question. Like, how does it compare to using the Frontier? It's different, of course. I mean, with color negative, it's it's incredibly different. But let's take it like a little easier. If you're if you're scanning like E6 film, all you're doing is basically making a reproduction of something that's already a positive. So you just have to expose correctly, and then you're close. After right. that, I mean, that's like similar to what I call like a simple scan, like a scanner, like a scan right out of the frontier would be like a simple scan with e6 it's basically if i capture it with my s1r which is what i use it's like a simple scan and then you take it in and, and you would adjust if you've watched my youtube video about how to edit film scans you will see that you adjust the levels so you basically bring them to the edges because it's often the highlights are really crushed because it's always trying to save the highlights mm -hmm. so like the histogram will be like all off to one side and you just got to stretch it back out and then but then it's pretty much done it's, unless outside of that it's like all sharpening and dusting Right. But my experience was with the holder that they made is there's very little dust. Of course, it keeps it flat without any glass surfaces, which is awesome because mm -hmm. that's where you really see the dust build up. Uh, but like when I'm scanning, if I was to take it and scan color negative film, which I probably feel like most people are going to do, you're probably going to be using it with negative lab pro, which isn't like a Lightroom workflow. Um, so at, th at that point, you can still do all the scanning in like less than a minute. If you're doing like single capture, pixel shift, it might take a little bit longer, maybe like two minutes. 
Okay. So then you bring it into Lightroom, but you can still like you bring it into Lightroom. You don't have to futz around with the cropping a lot, which is a huge, 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 huge time saver. Because when I would scan with other stuff and I had to like reset the crop to each image, right? Um, that sucked. So that's like was one of the big game changers of negative supply stuff is it just kept the film in a really specific point, frame to frame to frame to frame. So I didn't have to keep resetting the crop in Lightroom because there's nothing more frustrating than that. But basically, you can still select all and then have negative supply or uh, negative Lab Pro uh, convert everything at once. And then after that, you just go in and tweak. I mean, I would say it's roughly the same amount of time once you add in the conversion. That's crazy. So, you know, we've talked about this kind of stuff for a long time. And for a while there, you know, your whole thought process on home scanning was kind of like the way, the same way that you would approach printing in the darkroom where you like develop your role and you look through your role with a loop and you pick out the shots that you definitely want to use. And then you would scan those or print those if you're in the darkroom. Um, not so much like volume based scanning, you know, where you're shooting 15, 20, 30 rolls and then scanning them all. Do you think this yeah. is more in line with that kind of volume based shooting? It's pretty manageable for that kind of stuff than it sounds like. Well, yeah, I mean, I still feel like that editing process that I sort of described where right. you treat it the same way is valuable for anyone that's like anybody that's has an, having like a 100 percent at home workflow. I think would benefit that because I mean, eventually you're still going to have like a bunch of data just building up in your computer. Right. Especially because if you're using negative lab pro, it's creating essentially like two files. So you're doubling up on all the images, although it does kind of create a raw. If you, you eventually go to a TIFF, if you kind of, if you're like me and you, you kind of edit that way. So you got a raw and then next to it is a TIFF. I mean, then you're talking about like giant files. I mean, some of my scans are like 700 megabytes. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't have, I maybe should, but I don't have massive hard drive arrays where I just don't care about the data because I like to be a little speedier than that. So I usually keep like SSDs, like one terabyte SSDs around. And um, I try to just, I don't know, I just try to minimize what I'm working with. And film helps with that because you don't shoot as much. Right. But um, so I, I don't know. But I mean, yeah. But the negative supply or negative supplies tools, they really do make it easy to scan a whole roll. And if you're dealing with color negative, it's hard to interpret the images on a light table. Sometimes you really do need to scan it to see what it is. So, so yeah, I would say that if you have the negative supply, like why not do a whole roll? I mean, like right. there's no reason. There's there's fewer reasons not to. I would say. Um, because back when I would be like, oh, you just need to edit your work, pick out your ones, and then scan those frames, that was when you would use a scanner that would take like 10 to 20 minutes to make one frame, you know, right. which is not unusual for like a, a cool scan 9000 if you're making a high-res scan of a 6x6 right. image, let's say. It's going to take 20 to 25 minutes if you're using ICE and even like maybe you're using multi-capture if it's like a very dense um, piece of film or something like that. So, but now, I mean... Yeah, it's 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 a little bit of a game changer. I mean, it's like a mini lab scanner at home. Sure. I mean, it's not going to replace my frontiers necessarily, certainly not for color negative stuff that I deal with in the 35 millimeter. I mean, there's nothing more valuable to me than being able to like load in my 35 rolls, make the adjustments on each frame and then walk away and then have it be done. Even if it takes longer, I would still do it that way just because it allows me to multitask. Because you're freed up to do something else, right? 
yeah, and I'm always doing at least a couple of things at a time. Like I'll be processing the film and then like having it come out of the V30 and then go straight to the scanner. So as not to, so it's just to get ahead of the scanning process. I mean, the V30 is faster than the scanners, so I eventually overtake it. But I mean, I couldn't do that workflow with negative supply tools. I would have to be just, just, um, just scanning, you know, I, or right. and then setting the next one and then just scanning and setting the next one. But I mean, yeah, I mean, scanning's not for everybody. I do own a lab. I don't expect to go out of business because negative supplies make good holders, I'll say. Um, certainly, it's not easy to process color film at home. I mean, some people are going to, like, at me and be like, yeah, it is. But it's not comparably to some other things. Um, right. You know? And I don't even recommend it because I, I don't – I just think, like, computer-controlled processors in a replenish environment, which is what these machines that I have do, are – it's how C41 and E6 were designed and it just does a better job. But, um, so I use a lab. That's my recommendation for that. But if you are, you could do like process only and scan at home. You could do all your black and white that way. I mean, I was going to ask you that. I didn't even know if you did that. If you offered process only, I assume you probably did, but of course it's, uh, an affordable way to process. No, I get, I don't get a lot of orders that way. Um, I think that a lot of process, I, I mean, I do with, like, E6, I guess, a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. E6 is different. You just get the film back, you get to look at it, and there you go. Right. Yeah. But, um, no, I have some customers that are, like, recurrent process-only people. Um, uh, the lady who works at, uh, I think you might have shot her wedding, um, at at Photo Market. Not Photo Market. Um, what's that? Photo- oh, Regan. Yeah. Regan Chase. She's, she, Regan Chase. Yeah. She, she's process-only customer. Oh, cool. I'm giving out customer data here. I'm going to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they have scanners at, at, at uh, sure. uh, whatever. I can't remember the name of that, that business, but um, I'm not trying to like not advertise for them. I, just, I literally can't remember. <laughs> it's, it's it's photo something. Portland. Like, yeah. Main photo works. Photo works. works. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Um, they have and that makes they sense. Just, yeah. um, well, you might, you might be getting more process only now. Maybe I might. I mean, I, I, um, I, there's not a huge difference between buying like the home user, uh, C41 kits and then just having me do it is, I guess it takes longer in some ways cause you have to send it to me, but I don't know. I would still encourage people to have me do the processing. I mean, not, and I know that's self-fulfilling in some ways, but, uh, self-serving, I, I should say, but that's the way it is. I mean, replenished C41 is the way, is it's how that system was designed and it's how it works best. Well, I've had a handful of people send me messages on Instagram about processing C41 at home. And I mean, if you want your color to be good, I just feel like it's really, really difficult, really difficult. It's hard. I mean, you know, you don't always notice it at first because the differences can be small. But like the C41 has an extremely short developing time of three minutes and 15 seconds. It's gotten slightly easier now that like uh, people like Cine still make that sous vide thing, and you can do the water bath. Mm-hmm. But the according to Kodak, the tolerance for de- temperature changes to maintain consistency is 0.3 degrees. I was gonna say it's like almost nothing, right? It's it's not one degree, it's not two degrees, it's 0.3 degrees. Yeah, my machine keeps it at that temperature perfectly. I mean, like, it doesn't change. It's one tank. It's in a in a light-type box. It never changes 
and I can do it. I can make changes to the point uh, zero one degree at a time. So, like every time that you're messing with it, even in a water bath, it's not. You're just not going to maintain that temperature ma- maintenance. I, yes. I just I just don't think it's worth it. Like, <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't want to discourage people from processing their own film or trying it. Well, and some people like the look, you know, they like yeah. the color shifts and that kind of thing. If that's what you like, then that's great. And that's a perfect solution. But some people aren't into that. And yeah. so, I mean, if you were, maybe you would never notice it. Maybe you do like that. And, and, and I'm not saying that like, you're always going to get bad results, but you know, just, just for consistency's sake, it's, it's a, la- a lab in that, in that way is better. I think that a lot of people also will continue to use a lab because scanning is not for everybody. It's just, it's just not, you know, just yeah. in the way that I don't like editing digital files very much from digital cameras. Um, a lot of people don't want to sit there and scan all day. Yeah. But apparently enough people did to get a uh, negative supply to almost a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, totally. I know that they have some stretch goals. I don't know what they are, but um, they're going to announce them. I think if they get to like, 150k that they'll do stretch goals and there's still 28 days left i was gonna say how long is the kickstarter for because they've got a lot of room (laughs) they have a lot of room i mean yeah with 28 days left uh i know that they want to encourage people to to get into doing the scanning because you can do it with like any level of equipment and that's true you can do it with like a canon rebel you can do it with you know whatever you may choose um Mm -hmm. i'm excited about it because it's I think it creates files that are better than Hasselblad Imicons, you know, using their tools and, and like a good camera with pixel shift, you can do so much. So I think it's pretty, it's pretty rad time. Uh, and I, so there's these guys making awesome scanning solutions. And uh, do you know about, um, this is not on our, this is a, a curveball. This is not on our outline today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so get ready for it. Get ready. Uh, do you know about mid midtone machines? No. So there's another guy, there's a guy out there, I'm sorry, it's inevitably a guy, but there is a guy out there and he's making a, he's making a new film processor. Um, and it's like, it's going to be doing, it'll do like four to six rolls at a time. And it's similar to, have you ever seen a phototherm processor? Yes. That's what I use. You've seen it. Of course, you're like somewhat familiar with it for our listeners at home. Um, the phototherm is like a Jobo sort of, it's got a drum that your film is in and it's on these Patterson reels and the reels spin around and it automatically pumps chemistry into these drums at a certain temperature and it maintains them at that temperature. And then it, of course it does all the timing and then it pumps the chemical out in and out and in and out and so on. Well, these were made in the nineties uh, and, and they're great and they're still sort of supported, which is amazing, but, um, they're imperfect and they're very simple. Uh, I would say. And uh, there's a guy basically, he's not really reverse engineering a phototherm, but if you were to look at them next to each other, you could be, you could think that they were the same thing. Andrew it's, Burns is his name. So you're Googling it. Good job. Yeah. He's a full-time rocket propulsion engineer. <laughs> okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> and part-time film photographer. So he's making a new freaking processor and it's so much better than the phototherm because like the phototherm has basically three buttons and you can cycle through like a list of options. You can be like E6 push this much, you know, but you can't like customize a chemical process. It also doesn't return the chemicals back to the bottle. You have to sort of work around that. Um, This guy, this thing is like all 
I don't even know what the processing language is. I'm not, this is not like what I'm into, but it's got like an LCD screen. You can customize everything. It's going to pump the chemistry chemistry into the tank or the, actually the tempering area and then into the tank. And then it'll have everything have the option of going right back in. So you can run like a replenished line with this very easily. Uh, it's going to be, I mean, like I'm really stoked. I've been kind of talking to him about it. I've been emailing with him a little bit. And every time I email him, I, I feel like an idiot because he's like, yeah, I've already thought of that. I <laughs> see your comments actually in the comment yeah. section on the website. <laughs> I'm yeah, assuming I, you're spare, spurdy dynamite, spare, spare dynamite. Yeah, my high school uh, screen name <laughs> that I, I don't know how to get rid of. Yeah. It looks just like a phototherm. It looks it just does. like it. Yeah. But I mean, like, so you have this guy making this awesome processor, mm-hmm. and these guys making this film scanning solution that is like, I would say, the early stages of replacing Frontiers and Doritos on some level. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have the software packages built in or the dust reduction stuff. But I mean, like, God, film is in such a good place because all this new stuff is coming out and people are and it's not even big companies. It's like these little companies or just individuals are rallying to make products that serve this community. I just think it's so cool. Yeah, totally. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's an exciting time. Exciting times. I've actually been talking to uh, also a um, an Adobe engineer and we're working on a uh, well, he's working on a on a, a plugin that'll automatically reduce dust and scratches from film scans. Mm. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. He's, I have a link to a little page that he threw up and basically he wants people to submit before and after images of dusting and it's going to do use machine learning and AI and learn how to, how to dust film scans basically automatically. Awesome. So it's, we got a bright future. That's all bright I'm saying. Future. Tell you what's not yeah. bright. What's that? You, are you are you transitioning? <laughs> if you work at PDN, that's the right. Future is not bright. <laughs> oh shit! So, uh, did you ever read PDN? Uh, periodically. Not. I wasn't like an avid reader or anything. But yes, you would periodically. I, read I opened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. No, I had opened. I had opened a, a handful of their their magazines i used to read it like religiously in college because that was the time right i don't know if it was the heyday like i'm i I think it's a lot older than my career i think it was probably dates back to the 80s and 90s but um it was like this first kind of like window into the photography as an industry and Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't like it wasn't like picking up a copy of popular photography, you know, where they were right. like, oh, here's a new weird filter to do something really weird. It was right. like, let's talk to art buyers and art directors and other people and talk about how photographers are booking jobs at like, you know, whatever budgets were back then. So like hundreds of thousands of dollars and it would have great work. Like some of the best work you would see, you'd see on the pages of PDN. I think the, PDN was like where I first saw Alex Soth's portfolio mm. uh, when, mm-hmm. when he was coming out with Sleeping by the Mississippi. And I was like, well, I'm, I need that. And um, yeah, it was like this rad magazine. But I do have to admit that in the past few years, I had a subscription a couple of years ago and I didn't renew it because 
it was just kind of boring. I, like all of the articles were basically online. The coverage of photography right. is found online. Um, you can kind of discover photographers that way. And also, I mean, the industry is, I, I don't even know what is going on in the industry right now. I mean, like it's, it's, it's in a very different place. Yeah. For sure. Well, it's kind of like David commented in our other conversation, you know, how many, how many HDR, how to links do you uh-huh. need? You know, <laughs> I know, I know. And that's always what they weren't famous for. But then in the last few years, it would be like, here's a new package of plugins and you can, we can review it. Yeah. Uh, sad days. I mean, I guess we still have the ones that are dedicated to art, which is like Aperture and uh, the British Journal of Photography, um, which I had a subscription to last year, but I think I'm going to lapse that one. <laughs> I might yeah. try Aperture. Yeah. Do you subscribe to any photography magazines? Uh, not lately, no. Well, no. What's wrong? Do you subscribe to anything at all? Um, like a magazine. A, any magazine? Yeah. Do you subscribe to any print magazine? Uh, I have the the staple main magazines coming. Oh, nice. Main the tax write off. Yeah, Down East and Main Mag. Um. But no, no, like fine art kind of stuff. That would be yeah. something nice to incorporate in. But I don't read anything. They, they all come and they just kind of end up piling up for the most part. It's yeah, hard, I man. The, I have the problem too. It's hard. <laughs> it's like the decline of my <laughs> intellect is like that I don't read and I just look at pictures. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I will read the occasional Main the Way article. Uh, but I mostly like the photography. I I eventually get around to most things, but it just takes longer than I feel like it should. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going to try Aperture. I think I'm going to subscribe to that soon. Uh, I haven't gotten in in a few years, but, uh, you know, it's I just feel like it's good to have photography that's not on Instagram be brought yeah. to you, you know, because I feel like yeah. Instagram, Instagram mostly leaves me depressed more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, I had another conversation with another photographer about that recently. Maybe that's what I was hinting at about the last time we were on here. About how I've just been like not really posting, not really doing anything with it. Yeah, it is kind of like you know. I don't know. Is, it, yeah, but <laughs> is Instagram why I went to college? Right. <laughs> like it's like did I get into this today like spend all that time like paging through photo books at barnes and noble in roseville minnesota so that i could post on instagram and use hashtags right like, no it's not <laughs> that's not it i had different aspirations and they were at that time to like maybe see my work in magazines at any point in my life and and now pdn is dead <laughs> so that's right. not gonna happen exactly I think it also it might have something to do with like I've seen this conversation on Instagram actually, but like how it makes you feel like you just constantly need to be putting stuff out like all the time. Like that's not the way people work. It's not the way artists work. It's not this constant flow of new amazing work. Like who who does that? Nobody. It's, it's impossible to keep up with that kind of a. And but it makes you feel like that's what people do, but they, they're not. But it's not unhealthy. It's not healthy, you know. Well, the algorithm, I think it wants you to post a lot, 
but yeah, you can't, I mean, there's very few people that are like that prolific. I mean, like maybe some editorial photographers, the few that are still working are like making work all the time and can share it. But I mean, I don't know, like I'm working on a couple projects and none of them are ready to be shared at all. Yeah. And they wouldn't make any sense in the context of Instagram. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't help that like if your work, if you're like into making a series of images, because you can sort of post that on Instagram, but then once you do, it's like, well, there it goes. It's out. It's yeah. gone forever. Or to be forgotten. Once, or maybe once in a while, somebody will like like an image, and you'll be like, oh, somebody likes the picture of uh, Moses that I took that day. <laughs> Moses is my dog. If you guys are not regular listeners, <laughs> that's Momo. Yeah, he's a good boy. Um, so anyway, very sad yeah. to hear about it again. I hope that those people get jobs at other publications. Yes, other periodicals. Uh, they, I should mention, they were responsible for the Photo Plus Expo in New York, and they say that they're going to continue that. Um, there was also a couple other publications that they did, one of which was Rangefinder, which is roughly their wedding and portrait, oddly their wedding and portrait one. And I guess that's going to continue. I always thought Rangefinder was like the shittiest magazine I've ever seen. So I find that strange, but maybe it's gotten better. I don't know. Yeah, probably like, not. <laughs> yeah, it was always like wedding photography that I really hated was, was publishing Rangefinder. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay, well. All right. All right, all right. Yeah. Let's, get, let's get back into photo news. We still got one other item. That's one other item. You've been stoked about. The X100V. Yeah. No, it's fine. You know it's, it's what? Out. No, it's, it's out. It's not the V. It's the 5. Oh, the 5. The old V. Yeah. V for victory. Um, No, there's, uh, there's a new X100. It has an upgraded... You don't know the specs, right? So I'm just going to tell you what they are. Yeah, go for it. And our listeners probably don't know because this is the only place that they get their photo news. Um, <laughs> okay. It's got... The 26.1 megapixel APS-C X-Trans sensor, which is mm-hmm. also backlit now. Uh, it's got a new Fuji lens. It's still a 23 f2, but it's got more elements because people used to bitch that the Don't last lens was soft when you got close and wide open. So this is presumably not soft when you're close and wide open. Uh, new image processor. Who fucking cares? Um... I guess there's like an optional version of it that's weather sealed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> why, why, why not just make that all of them? But it says optional weather sealing. Maybe yeah. optional weather sealing is that you just don't take it out of your camera bag when it's raining. <laughs> right. You can choose whether or not it has weather sealing. It's, it's right. sealed. Yeah. <laughs> in, in your bag. <laughs> Uh, they say mm. the AF is better. They always say the AF is better. I'm, I'm sure it is. I have no reason to say that it's not. Um, it's got the viewfinder from the X Pro, whatever it is now. Uh, so I know that you... A tiltable uh, screen, right? I did see oh, that. Yes. Tilt screen. Great. Yeah. Great. Great. More things to break. You love to see it. <laughs> um, so you have some X100 thoughts and experiences. You want to talk about them? Well, it's just that um, I had been looking for a small digital camera to just like put in a jacket pocket or just mm-hmm. to like have something around photos of the kids, like that kind of stuff. 
And so I was thinking about an X100, and I recently, on that trip to Jamaica, I took my brother-in-law's X100T along with me. And it just, it's a cool camera. It does some fun stuff, but at the end of the day, I just got home and I just, I, I felt like it's like a cool, I felt like I was shooting with like a, an iPhone with a cool form factor. <laughs> it, it just, it just didn't do something. For, like the images are great. They look great, but there's something that's just not there. It's like, I've seen people describe it as soulless. And that's like, seems to me like a good description of that camera. And so that was good. It was a good, like little experience to take that along and learn that I don't really need to explore that route anymore. Um, so I was kind of excited about this camera initially, but now I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, wish that they would. It just seems like it's another situation. Again, this this the X100 thing is another, to me, it's another uh, example of Fuji just not listening to people. And what they've, like, with, with the Instax stuff, you know, I know the point for them is to sell the film, but they refuse to just make a semi-professional decent camera for that film um and then yeah. they just keep making these these toy cameras that are like look like they're made for children um and this is another thing like the the if i i i've heard from more than a handful of people that if fuji came out with a full frame x100 that they would buy it tomorrow i would that's what's I've, missing to me i've said that before people get really upset when you kind of say like it should be full frame like the APS-C heads come out and they're just like well I don't know what you're talking about but I do think it's a barrier I mean you definitely images from full frame cameras specifically if it had it's got a 23 f2 right now if it had a 35 f2 you have like a, that little bit more dimensionality you could play with depth of field a lot more I mean, when you take like a portrait of somebody and they're maybe three to five feet away and you're yep. at f2, the background is blurred with the full-frame camera. If someone's five feet away with a 23 f2 and you're even you're wide open, the background is a lot more in focus. I mean, it just yeah. is. And I mean, these cameras are travel cameras, and you do take a lot of portraits with them. There's a lot of situations where you're maybe taking like a landscape or a scenic or whatever, and everything's basically in focus. But, you know, it's, if you're on the gram, which I feel like a lot of Fuji photographers are, you you do see a lot of pictures that are just portraits and yeah, 23 millimeter. I mean, it's just, it's a lot flatter. It's, it's like, I think, uh, at F2, you'd probably have like five feet of depth of field. If you're close. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, totally. Uh, they are a little plastic. I remember the, when the original X100 came out, people were so stoked to get one and i got the original one and it was great i liked the little 12 megapixel sensor that they had but the later iterations of it i just kind of they just lost me more and more especially when the x pro one was just like a disaster like that would that didn't help and you had just, that camera too didn't you yeah i got the x pro one uh back in, when i worked at bnh they gave people like 50 percent off the employees mm -hmm. so I, I could get these things for relatively cheap and if you ever wanted to sell them you would make like a good profit on the fact that you had one. Right. So um, why not get it? <laughs> yeah. And I did, but, um, yeah, the X pro X pro one was, was like a beta camera. that was just a disaster. That thing could not focus properly. And yeah. 
I don't. I mean, some people got them to shoot weddings and stuff, but I don't know what they're doing. Like, as soon as you get into a dark situation, you can't focus. It has no IRAF, like a DSLR. Right. It's the focus doesn't really work in the dark. It's not like, I mean, it's better than it has been, but I don't. I don't know what people are doing. I don't know. I get. I get the appeal, but I also think like you're right. Like if they just kind of tried a little harder, that they could do a lot. I mean, you. I think people get more excited now about cameras that are much more expensive, like the Leica Q, which is full frame, by the way, but that has the wrong lens, so, which is crazy. 28? Yeah. Like, yeah. why did they make it with a 28? Like, if it had a 35, people would be would lose it. I wouldn't buy one at $5,000 or whatever they sell them for. Sure. But I might consider one when, now that the Qs are cheap, they're like, I don't know, two and change. Yeah, The used ones, because... Everybody in, with Leica has to upgrade to the new one because they need 40 megapixels or whatever. I did consider that being my trade for my Mamiya 6 for a while, which I still have, by the way. Yeah. A Q. But. Uh, I've seen a few people in my feed with Qs now. I think uh, the guy that used to be a client of mine named Ray LaRose, he's got a Q and he's shooting stuff. Um, everybody who tries them loves them. I think our friend Nicole in Boston has a Q. Oh. I think our friend cool. Rob has a Q, right? I think Maybe Rob Q- does have a Q. He's probably got a Q2 by now. Yeah. Um, I had the, as a proof of concept, I had the um, RX1. No. Yeah, the RX1, the, the 35 millimeter F2 full frame point and shoot that Sony makes. one R2. Yeah, I had the R2 <laughs> at that time. I don't want to get into the nomenclature. It's, it's a mess. But... I I don't have that camera anymore because I don't really shoot digital and it's expensive and I didn't need to have it around. But the images were freaking awesome from that camera. The lens was amazing. It was smaller than an X100 somehow. It's so but tiny. It's so tiny. There It has some issues. I mean, it's like a weird Sony ergonomic system. Like there, there's just buttons everywhere. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like Fuji definitely has nailed the ergonomics by copying Leica basically. But... That's what everybody wants. Just make a fucking full-frame one with a 35F2 that looks like a Leica but isn't a Leica. (laughs) It should cost cost $2,800 MSRP. And then you can get it used for $22. And I'll shoot an entire wedding season with that camera. And I will probably use it more than my SLR, whatever else is on my shoulder. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't, you know, but then, but then they're like, "Well, we have the GFX." No, yeah, it'll never, happen. it'll never happen. They're so weird. Just like a, just like, like I said, just like a professional Instax camera with maybe some manual controls, like that will probably never happen either. I don't understand why. Like it would, the whole point. I get the whole point is to get people into the system buying the film. Like they want to sell the film. So like Instax, yeah. And they don't want to do a, they don't want to have the big overhead investment of some like fancy camera. And they want to make these cheap cameras that they can just shit out and people will buy them. And then they're into the buying the Instax film. But, oh, man, there's just so many people looking for something to just shoot some Polaroids with a little bit of control. It would be great. And a film stock that they can rely on and get cheaply. Yes, right. True. Exactly. No. I understand that. I, I, I understand that there are other options out there for Polaroid film. But I got to tell you, the Instax stuff is really great. It's really, I, I really like the film a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's much better. 
than the Polaroid original stuff. It, in a technical sense, it was better than actual Polaroid film. It didn't have kind of the same charm, but it had better color accuracy all the, uh, always. I like the little square camera that they make, but you're right. The, the camera, the actual mechanical part, the camera itself. Is, I have is that. Weird. Yeah, and I have the square camera, and I, I love the square format Polaroids. But the camera, again, is just feels like a kid's camera. When I started shooting large format and medium format, I guess, too, I would always shoot a Polaroid of any shot I was setting up. And then I would put it in my notebook, and I would write down the settings that I had, you know, whatever the shutter speed was, whatever the, the film that I was going to go to. And it was a great way to kind of keep like a photographic diary. It was like, this is kind of what I was doing, and this is sort of how I did it, especially people who sure. were in lighting would do that. Um, but you can't do that with the, the Fuji cameras because they're automatic. It's not right. the same. Yeah. That's, that sucks. Yeah. I wish that they would make like a film back even for a medium format camera. I mean, they're not going to do it for like a high six, which is what I use. So man, kind of right. But I mean, the Hasselblad back, right? Like, come on. Like, even what? that, right. That's, that's a solution right there. And you shoot yeah. it on a Hasselblad or an RZ or something and get a full frame polaroid with some depth of field man that'd be freaking awesome oh yeah i mean it would be a big i think it would probably work with the the rz would work with their rectangular film right i mean it's like i think it's roughly probably i don't know if it's fully seven inches tall but it's like definitely seven inches wide i think so yeah and and i think that isn't but isn't they um aren't the squares like five by five or four by four or something that sounds right i think it's five by five so they're probably a little smaller than 120 film. But I mean, like, you know, they're good enough. Yeah. It is okay. weird. It is weird. Whatever, I Fuji. I don't, I don't get it. Fuji's just always, like, doing kind of what I want them to do, but, like, then doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, this is probably a really unpopular opinion. I'm sure that a lot of, like, people that listen to this podcast, especially people that I talk to, love the X100 and take great pictures, and, that, and that's fine. But, uh... I'm sorry. Not into it, dudes. And nope. that's. I don't know. All right. Again, yeah. Moving on. Personal Photo projects. News. Photo news is over. Okay, I introduced the new subjects. Not you. <laughs> don't get ahead of yourself now, man. <laughs> yes, personal projects is the next line item on the outline. This is a free-floating conversation. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be all natural. Uh do you want to talk about your project that you did this weekend? I know you had uh, some photography that you did. I did a little photography. I had hoped to do more photography. Um, but yeah, I, I went back and and uh, and in, took part in the toboggan the toboggan race that happens in Camden, Maine in the winter in February. Describe and, the uh, toboggan race. A lot of people know what that it? is like. Yeah. Describe what, what it's like. So people, come, yeah. people come from all over. Uh, I believe last year somebody came from Australia, but they come from all over the world, and it's pretty much the only event like it, and people, uh, there are two, three, and four man, uh, person, sorry, person teams uh, who race down a 400-foot chute out onto a frozen lake, and you're going about 40 miles an hour when you get to the bottom of the hill, and uh, it's been going on since 1991, and it is uh, quite an experience it's like a little bit of like mardi gras and 
Woodstock and the Olympics all kind of like rolled up <laughs> to one. Uh, there's all kinds of costumes and um, yeah, it's a good time. Good food, good drink. Did you did you camp this year? We had didn't uh, you camp uh, last year. We didn't. Well, so no camping. Um, we had an ice tent to take shelter nice. in because I can tell you things get pretty raw out there on the ice, which is where like everybody yeah. kind of sets up like ice shacks and tents and out near the finish line. And um, last year was like single digits and 30 mile an hour winds. And it was really, really cold. And this year was a little bit warmer, but still cold. Um, so having something, even just get out of the wind um, it makes a big difference. But um yeah, I had Ryder with me, my five-year-old son. So it's really difficult to concentrate on taking pictures when you've got a five-year-old with you. So he kind of hindered my my shooting on Saturday. And I went back on Sunday. But Saturday is really the day that you want to be there taking pictures. So, yeah. Uh, but I did uh, manage to shoot about four rolls of 120 in my house of blood. So what? There is something. I didn't think you shot film at all. Yeah. No, I shot some. I don't have oh high hopes God. for what I shot, though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, you sometimes you just kind of, you just kind of know. You get a feeling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I find that I often have high hopes, and then they're quickly dashed when I see the film. But, uh, <laughs> well, maybe I'm ahead of the game then. <laughs> and Start when I well. don't have high hopes, I'm surprised. I'm like, oh, damn, I did it. That's the I pulled it off. There you go. That's the technique. Keep those expectations low, and you can only go yeah. up. Seriously. Uh, well, that's awesome that you shot some film. I know that, uh, actually, uh, I think we said this last time, but the images of, what was it, last year's Toboggan Race? They're in the, in the current or last month this year of Main Mag, right? Last, yeah, last year's photos are in this current month, so February issue of Main Mag, yes. That's awesome. Yeah, in the, uh, I think they call it the viewfinder section. It's really cool. It's a pretty cool little... Um, uh, like feature that they do. I should subscribe to Main Mag. That's maybe another one I should put on my list. They should send it to Mainers for free. I should get like a like a credit. Yeah, there you go. I'm, you'll, I'm sure that'll be an easy yeah, that'll be an easy sell to them. <laughs> I mean, they have advertisers, right? I'm gonna run on a platform. Main Mag for all. Main Mag for all Mainers. It's gonna be M for M M for M. You got a website and everything going. Yeah. Uh, you know what we gotta we gotta spread out the wealth to the people um that's awesome well yeah so i'll expect those uh those three rolls in the mail shortly i'm sure you're gonna send them off i will probably hoard them for another eight months like i typically do but (laughs) did you send any digital or shoot any digital i shot like four digital pictures once the sun went down and it got kind of dark and the moon was coming up but that was it why did you take your mamiya six I thought about it, to be honest with you, but I, I've, it takes those little tiny watch batteries, and those things are brutal to work with in the cold. Like they just don't last, and you're out there right. like trying to change these little tiny pain in the ass batteries with like numb fingers. It's just fuck that. Right. Oh yeah, I could see how that would be. That would be that would be stupid. <laughs> They really, they really don't, a, like, if it's really cold, they don't last long at all. 
That's one of my complaints with the camera, to be honest with you. It's always been one of my complaints about it, which is why I ended up getting another Hasselblad. I was like, just give me a full camera that doesn't need batteries or anything to work. Yeah, I guess I don't, I just don't shoot that much in the cold, so I don't really experience this. But I will say I was out the other night with my high six shooting because we had like a particularly beautiful, it was like we had some rain. Did you see any of that the other day? The we had a, yeah, we like had rain. Ice was, oh, and the whole state was glowing. Yeah. Um, so I went out and shot some of the sun going down and uh, it was really cold. It was like 17 on mm-hmm. in the, at least the thermometer in my car. And uh, yeah, they, I didn't have to change the battery in my high six. It was like a lithium ion cell. So that was pretty surprising. Honestly, I sort of thought that it would die, but uh, I guess the new batteries are pretty good. Yeah, it's awesome. uh, for that camera. Yeah, it's, but uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's good to have. I mean, it's really nice to have mechanical cameras. Yeah. And in my case, uh, I, I I would have my Rolly as a backup, I guess. So. Well, that's cool. Uh, I can't wait to see those pictures, and I'm sure that you'll share them on Instagram, and that's where they will live and die. <laughs> yes, exactly. The ultimate hope for our portfolios. Um. Uh, the only thing I've been working on, other than what I just said, is um, I've been continuing to improve my darkroom to some extent. Right now, you can't print uh, in, in daytime. It needs to be dark outside um, because I had a lot of light leaks, and I still have some. But I've started to get a little closer to where I could print in the daytime. I just need – I have these, like, two garage doors that um, I kind of have light leaking in around the edges. So I'm working on solutions for that. Can't you get some of that just like uh, like those foam gaskets, you know, that like people usually put to like help seal up a door or something just to help with that? Like the thick ones or maybe like one of those ones that you would insulate like a like a PVC pipe with or something and just like glue that on the bottom of your garage door to create like a seal. It's not so much the bottom. It's more like the top and around the sides. I have like a... Oh. Yeah. On the outside of the garage door, because of just like for insulating purposes, I have like little rubber like lips and they make contact with it, but it's just not perfect. So it lets in light around that a little bit. Yeah. Um, it used to be something that's like I can take off because I do use that garage door sometimes to like usually when I'm like taking out large items. I have my I still have my bike in the garage, that kind of thing. Uh, so but I mean, that's not actually a bad idea that like like some kind of foam thing i was gonna sort of like try to drape up some black like plastic material using maybe velcro strips because it just needs sort of a skirt around the edges but yeah Mm -hmm. maybe i can something where like i just have like little spacers that get like sort of shoved in into the gaps that's not that's not a terrible idea so I'll, i'll explore that yeah but um yeah i'm like i'm gonna print in the dark room tonight um I'm going to hopefully finally finish calibrating my analyzer, which is like a meter for the darkroom. Uh, and uh, I'm having a good, I can't wait to start making prints, basically. Yeah. We got to do a video on printing. I know. I just got a lavalier microphone, a little wireless lav. And uh, I'm hoping I don't sound like an asshole again, because I feel like I sounded bad in my last video. Somebody actually commented they were like bad sound. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, I know. Yeah. I I showed that video to um, Shay, my fiance, and I was like, ah, I've gotten 16 likes, and two people don't like it. And she was like, 
He was like, what? Who are these people? <laughs> That's when you know you've made it. When you've got, I know. like, down votes or thumbs down or I don't like this. I've experienced a lot of haters in my life, and I'm used to it. Yeah. But uh, yep. that is when you made it. So Embrace yeah. no, the I'm hate. I'm going to do some more videos. Uh, get, the, get the info out there. Get my, my, my shining face back on the silver screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you uh, are you still shooting that house at all on Westport Island that you had uh, worked out with that guy who I don't know he did some work for you or something? Yeah, um, I don't go there all that often because I wait until there's a big change, basically. Yeah, and there and he has a full time job, so he's basically able to go there around that and work on it. But um, no, I mean I uh, the last shooting I did was for that video that I was just talking about where I kind of walked around as, as in the various like states of destruction but I'll, I'll, I'll continue to go back and as things change and I'll, I'll continue to work on it but that's actually one of the projects that i'm waiting to scan i'm because i'm waiting for the film holder from negative supply because they're their film holder is so good and they included some of the samples that i shot from that project in their kickstarter and it's definitely the best reproductions that i've made so far so i can't wait to get that that stuff out there that's like another project that i'm not sharing until it's just done i don't want to like right occasionally post a picture of this house that's not connected to any of the other pictures and just be like hashtag house hashtag main hashtag man the way hashtag uh provia hashtag high six mod two <laughs> you know? yeah yeah totally i'll get like 50 likes and then people will move on and i'll feel depressed about the project yep but yeah no i, I am i'm trying to figure out some way to integrate large format into it i'd like to go back there with like my eight by ten but it's cold, and using an 8x10 camera in the cold really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> a lot of work with your fingers, which I find is particularly painful. I was just complaining about changing batteries, let alone working an 8x10 camera. Yeah, it's not, it's not ideal. Although it's pretty mild now lately, so hopefully I can start using it I, I did go out and shoot some at that preserve with my 8x10 just to test it a little bit just my film holder tests and uh, i had a great time oh it's awesome so, so i'll contact print those maybe i'll do one tonight i'm not, I'm not totally sure if i'm gonna have if i'm gonna have time but yeah it's been i've been able to like focusing on the work as we said in my uh new year's resolution that i'm not gonna buy any new cameras or try any new techniques i can just like focus on the stuff i shoot yep that's actually that's been that's been good. <laughs> you sticking to that? Okay, that's good. I have I may have a five by seven camera on the way, but <laughs> I, but that's the last one. <laughs> the last one. I didn't even know that was a thing, to be honest with you. Five by seven? Yeah, five by seven camera. You know nothing, John Snow. I I, I don't I don't four <laughs> by five eight by ten. Well, okay, so it goes four by. F- Five, five by seven, eight by ten, eleven by fourteen, and then you get into like wackadoo land. Like it'll be like twelve by twenty, and like seven by fourteen, and then like, then of course like you can stand follow it to like sixteen by twenty and twenty by twenty four, but those people are crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, that's crazy. I, I don't even know how they process that film. I definitely don't know how they like keep the dust off of their film when they're printing. I. This is a whole nother world. <laughs> yeah. 
We should do some large format stuff for YouTube. I don't know. We'll we'll uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll do it when it's warm, or at least when it's mud month, and we can be outside in a, a handsome Maine sweater. That sounds great. Yeah, sounds much better. Okay, well Moses is outside barking, which means I I've need heard to stop. him for a while. You can hear him. Very vocal. He's been vocal. Yeah. yeah. I think that when it's dark outside, he just barks at the darkness. So. so that's a good dog right there. <laughs> I'll tell Shay, thank you for letting the dog out during the podcast. <laughs> we had some new critters in our in our yard last night. Oh, what? I, I, new, I don't know what they were. They were I don't know what, what, what it was. It was a sound I wasn't, I didn't see anything. I only heard heard noises. It was a new noise for our new noise. area here. Yeah, new noises. Well, we should save that for our main talk podcast. <laughs> I'm not doing any more podcasts. What are you talking about? We can just talk about wood stoves and animals that we hear in the yard. Animals animals in, in the night. Animals in the night and uh, the weather. And yeah. weather and, and if you can get there from here. And the ice. The ice. Definitely the ice. <laughs> I fell on my ass yesterday morning in the ice. It was terrible. I've had my crampons like ever since. <laughs> yes, I live in them. God. Uh, all right. All right. I think we I think that this very loopy ass podcast is, is coming right now i just want to say uh go if you want a negative supply film holder go to their kickstarter i'll be linking to it in this podcast um they are sponsors of this podcast so um you know take that as, as you will but i full disclosure I, full disclosure sure but i mean i their products are freaking awesome I, I mean they speak for themselves uh so i'm happy to have their support and i'm happy to um talk about them because they're the jam and yep if anybody wants to sponsor me in the future i don't need to actually support your product i'll say whatever you want for money i'll just say that <laughs> i will yes. sell out as soon as i can as fast as i can yeah but i don't think i'm selling out with the negative supply stuff their stuff is really good so yes all right man Absolutely. go eat dinner i don't all know right. what you want to do all right sounds good tell, tell the family i say hello bye-bye i will bye-bye <laughs>